you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. On the inside handoff, he looks around and he gets free to the end zone. What a play by Campanero. Bell, he's going to switch back to the other side and he's got a running lane. Bell cuts back and takes it to the end zone for the touchdown. Play action and Vic guns it to the end zone and it's the touchdown. And this kick is also wide left for the victory for the first win of the year for the Ravens and Tucker's kick is good what a difference a kicker makes Justin Tucker with the game winner in Heinz Field what a heartbreaker Thursday night football this is Greg Rosenthal I'm here with Chris Wesseling we're gonna get it to all the week four games in just a bit with the whole crew. Of course, Dan Handis and Mark Sessler coming up. But first, Wes, we got to talk about, I don't know if this was a classic, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And the Steelers had this game won about six different times. Two missed field goals in the final three minutes of the game from Josh Gobi. Oh, my God. Who missed two field goals in the opener and an extra point in the second Second week of the season, and he's making $3.4 million guaranteed this year. He is? Yes. I did not. They know acquired that. him for a sixth-round pick after they acquired Brandon Boykin for a fifth-round pick, and both have really gone to waste. And I don't think Josh Scobie's going to be on this team. I, I know they gave him a lot of money. But well, they couldn't trust him in overtime twice with fourth downs. Both times they put the ball in Michael Vick's hands. Both times Michael Vick failed, and Le'Veon Bell was the best player on the field but didn't get his number called with the game on the line. Well, let's let's unpack it all, and let's start really with those fourth down play calls. The, the Steelers had so many chances to win the game in regulation. They were up 20-7. to seven. There was a key Joe Flacco fourth and one sneak of his own with just a few minutes left of regulation. At that point, everyone thought the game was over, but the Steelers – couldn't close it out. There's no rule that you have to just set up a long field goal by Josh Scobie. So I do think, you know, they gave the ball to Le'Veon Bell at times. They gave Mike Vick a chance uh, to get key first downs at times, and he couldn't do it. But what do you think about the fourth down calls? A, going for it at all, and then Mike Vick on the sweep one play, and Mike Vick airmailing a pass to Antonio Brown on the other. Well, you have to go for it because you you can't trust your kicker. Right. You even said before Scobie attempted the fourth quarter field goals, he's missing it. Yeah. You were confident he was missing it. I was it. saying they should go for it then. I thought you had a better chance of getting, uh, I think it was four yards or something like that, and winning the game on that play than you were with Scobie winning, getting the kick because you were going to still give the ball back to Baltimore. And we both believe that you put it in your own team's hands. You don't give the other team a chance to win. So you direct your own fate, and they failed twice. And they couldn't take advantage of a Ravens team that had three fumbles by their quarterback, the fourth down that you mentioned, and Sean Spence made a great play on a fake field goal. Mm, forgot about that one. There were so the many Ravens crazy plays. The Ravens had miscues, and the Steelers had miscues. Both, but, but with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, the Steelers had a 99.82% chance of winning. <laughs> oh, the Ravens had a .18 chance of winning the you, game. 
you don't see that happen too often. I mean, it took the missed kick. It also took not picking up a first down. And it should be said, it also took Joe Flacco, who at one point in the game left the field after four straight incompletions, a fourth and 10 pass actually wasn't an incompletion where he took a sack. And at that point of the game, like you're saying, right before the two-minute warning, it felt like the Raven season was over. It was 0-4. Flacco had had an ugly interception, an ugly fumble, did not have any weapons on the field. Steve Smith was hurt. Even Michael Campanero was hurt. Uh, you know, Crockett Gilmore wasn't in this game. It, it looked absolutely... He was throwing to Darren Waller and oh Nick my. Boyle, who are fifth and sixth round rookies with a combined two receptions coming into the game. It looked absolutely over. And to Joe Flacco's credit, it was a bad game, but he still does deserve credit for his for his 25-yard throw to Kamar Aiken while he's getting hit on third and long to help set up the game-tying field goal because that's a big-time throw. And Flacco... You know, he's come up with those throws in the past, and there's not a ton of quarterbacks who can make that throw. It takes a lot of arm strength, and he did it there, and that's that's why he's Joe Flacco. He's not the best quarterback in the world, but he can come up with those plays. It's it's not hyperbole to say that this saved the Ravens' season. No. Only one team in history, the 1992 Chargers, has ever been 0-4 and made the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so it, it's it's a season saver, and the Steelers were up 20-7 to in a third quarter. First time since November of 1964 that they have given up a 13-point lead at home. And this is going to really hurt the Steelers. Vic said it was one of the toughest losses of his career. He said that the fourth down path to Antonio Brown is going to haunt him for a long time. I've heard people blame the play call there. Antonio Brown was open. That was a gimme throw. It looked Vic like knew it. He, he had the yips like Scobie did. He, he just, did. He just flat out overthrew the pass. He talked after the game what a big game it was for him and his career and I think he talked about that to the broadcaster I mean it was like he felt it on that play he felt his age almost you start thinking about it a little too much you do and you wonder if he would have been thinking about it if his play caller had more trust in him throughout the game right well Michael Vick they didn't give him much trust and and we'll move on to all the rest of the games first but we do have to talk Vick quickly that he only averaged 4.8 yards per attempt. He completed 19 to 26 passes. But even when things were going well, everything was so short. I mean, he was in the Gabbard zone despite completing almost every pass. Nothing down the field. And you kind of saw late maybe why they didn't trust him. Well, yeah, and there's the whole Vic-Antonio Brown dynamic. Brown's streak gets of five catches and 50 yards is cut short. You can blame Vic for the misfires, and they weren't on the same page. But in Vic's defense, Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown dropped a perfectly thrown bomb mm. that not only would have given the Steelers six points, but would have made Vic's yards per attempt a lot higher. That that's a good point, and that would have you know potentially won them the game and knocked out their rivals. I mean, the, for this game to happen against Baltimore, too, of all teams, is a killer. Because I know what everyone's thinking that that roots for an AFC North team. They're looking at Baltimore's schedule. And they see San Francisco and Cleveland next. And the Ravens aren't playing great. I mean, this was against a Michael Vick team that made a lot of mistakes. But you could see them winning those two games, getting back to 3-3 three and three and being right back in the mix. Meanwhile, the Steelers are going to realize, well, it's not going to be that easy to win games without Ben Roethlisberger. You get a great performance from Le'Veon Bell, who doesn't get the ball in those key plays. He gets 150 yards from scrimmage. You still don't win. And a good outing from their defense. Defense play fine. First... Uh... 100-yard rusher against the Ravens in, I believe, 29 games. Mm. Le'Veon Bell was the best player on the field. Those Steelers do have some young talent. Stephon Tuitt was great. Uh, 
Cockrell. Russ Cockrell is his Ross, <laughs> The guy they picked up from the Bills after he was cut three weeks ago was one of the best players on their defense. And uh, Bud Dupree looked pretty good, too. But, you know, when it mattered, the Ravens' power running game ran all over them. They, they did. They did it in overtime, and they got to win. It keeps them at least somewhat in the mix. A huge victory. I'm looking forward to this rematch. Ravens-Steelers always deliver, and I'm especially looking forward to it because Steve Smith said Mike Mitchell, who knocked him out of the game with a hit to his back, is on his hit list. And you don't want to be on Steve Smith's hit list. His lifetime hit list reminds me of Fred Schmoot, Akib Talib, Janoris Jenkins. <laughs> It's not a place you want to be. It is not a place you want to be, but you do want to be with us to preview all these games, and we are going to get to it. Let's start the preview. The Around the NFL podcast. Only signs prove it deals. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hanses, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Had a little, like, uh, short circuit to start the show. I like to clock the show with my iPhone, and uh, I hadn't hit start immediately as the intro started. And then Greg was like, oh, I'll help you out. Hit reset instead of start. Whole thing blown up. Oh, okay, Dan. Great story. <laughs> Greg is very into He's, touching your personal property. I know. that was It was an invasion of space, and which is usually okay, but then when you – I blew it. it well, he's your boss. He can have anything he wants that is yours. Is that true? Yeah. Is that <laughs> the rules of anything, society? Anything that you think is yours, Greg has a right to. He's mm. not like... They made a movie about that with... Uh, what about my Debbie wife? Moore and Woody Harrelson. Sure. Yeah, that was Your wife? Sure. A decent proposal. I'm not comfortable with this arrangement. Well, do you want to have a job? I don't know if that's I want not, it at that level. That's not how companies work. Maybe he's where not, you're from, Mark. He's not king of the mongrels. He's one of, you know how it works. One of Mark's like 300 jobs prior to this, someone gave him <laughs> erroneous information <laughs> that he's been I'm carrying standing by it. Ever, ever since. Uh, this is the Thursday night, early Friday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, you just heard, uh, I like to call him the B team, but let's face it. They're really an A-team because they're so knowledgeable and well-spoken. Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal, they gave you the recap of the Thursday night football matchup between Mark. Uh, Tonight's game featured the Ravens and the Steelers. I can't wait to find out what they talked about four minutes ago. Yes, so that is is covered. And, And let me tell you something. And Greg, you perhaps know this and perhaps don't. So I'm here to help you out. There are 32 teams. However... Two teams, the Patriots and another team, have a bye, <laughs> which means that there are only 30 teams. And you divide 30 by two, 15 games this week. That's correct. I even know that the other team that's off, a, a potential team of ATL uh, candidate back in the day, the Tennessee Titans. Mm, almost Titans. But just, just, you know, that's a bummer that I couldn't even think who you were just then. But. At the same time, you're a real team now. You could be the Jaguars. They are fun to watch. They are. They are. They're a real football team. So, yes, 15 games. We just talked about the the Thursday night game. So we got 14 games to get to and a lot of a lot of subplots. Listen, let's let's keep it real. Not the juiciest week. There will be better weeks in terms of matchups. But at the same time, we're also talking about NFL football. And that's fun. We like football, don't we, Wes? I love it. Isn't this, though, like we don't see the matchup that makes us 
you know, drawn to, to week four. But sometimes that's when the best stuff happens because it's, it's these games that we aren't really aren't on our radar. Then they blow up and become something beautiful. Very true. And, and I suggest we, we have podcasts three times a week. The Sunday show, of course, after Sunday Night Football, we put that up. That's also on YouTube, so you can check that out. And we read those uh, comments on iTunes, the review section on our last show, uh, which was fun. Keep leaving comments and leaving the stars. It will lead to good things for all of us. And I'm not saying just the people in this room. Mm-hmm. Everyone involved with the show. So let's get to it. I mean, the, uh, that's why we're here, to talk about week four of the National Football League. And, you know, this is the first week of the NFL's International Series, as it's called. Mark, you were heading uh, to London in a few weeks. With uh, Connor Orr. With Connor Orr. Um, and by the way, check out Connor Orr has a long form. And if he got a vanity URL, which is pretty heavy. Wrote it on the slide. I, mean, you, I didn't even This thing just got dropped out of midair out of nowhere. Knew. I barely knew about it. NFL.com slash victims of prey. Birds of prey. <laughs> that would be a much darker, darker piece. Victims of prey. What? That's, a, that's like what the name of like a Dateline episode or something. Birds of prey. Keith Morrison. Victims of prey. Uh, yes. Birds of prey. That reminds me of a really bad live album. Remember the band Live? Yes, I do. Uh, the singer like became a crazy religious guy in the late period of the band, and then he named an album Birds of Prey. Then he so became Brian Hoyer. Guy. Basically, they look exactly the same. So, yes, the first game we're going to talk about uh, is between my beloved New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins, who are in London. The Dolphins are the home team. And you know who else is in London? Let's get them on the line right now. Brandon McGinnis, it is his final show. We'll get to that later. Um, we have Handsome Hank. Woo! He doesn't like to be called that. That's what he's known on, as the da- on the Damashek show. We call him the notorious DOP, Henry Hodgson. What's up, buddy boy? Hey, guys. How you doing? How you doing? What's going on in London? What time is it over there? It is a close to um, And I'm delighted to speaking to you guys all right you're a little choppy there initially on the cell phone signal and uh it gives us a little bit of pause about this entire segment (laughs) (laughs) let me eat some better reception okay well this is how we do it how how has the uh reception been in london for these two teams people getting well played excited about this this afc's battle are you excited as a dolphins fan hank well, of course, I'm excited, but the problem is that the teams haven't actually yet arrived here. So in past years, I think teams have come out for the entire week and they've stayed here and they kind of get used to it. But the Dolphins of Jets and Jets have decided to to fly uh, Thursday night. So they get in on, fr- on Friday morning, UK time. Um, so uh, so there's a little less excitement, let's say, around it because they're just not here yet. There is a, there's a great piece in The New York Times today about all the things the Jets, all the all the different things they're doing to ensure the players are as comfortable as possible, including bringing their own toilet paper, because apparently, and Hank, maybe you could speak to this, the toilet paper in England is very thin by nature. Yes or no? Uh, You know what, guys? I'm used to the Dave Damashek football program where we really stick to football. (laughs) Um, So this this kind of conversation to me is a little offbeat. Yeah, I I mean, I guess there is something, you know, that may be true. Okay, so let's talk about the game a little bit. Um... The Jets, of course, they were 2-0, and and then they got beat by the Eagles at home. And the Dolphins, we don't know what's going on with the Dolphins. They played an absolute stink fest. And, Mark, you wrote a, a post uh, on Wednesday, you know, highlighting how bad the defense looked in a loss to the Bills. And so you don't know what's going on with the Dolphins, if this is a team that's uh, going down the toilet 
uh, to tie in with the toilet paper. Um, if this is a situation where this is just a team that's floating into the abyss. I, as a Jets fan, I'd love that to be the truth. Mark, when you watched the Dolphins play on Sunday, what did you see? I did, their defense, which I thought would be so disruptive before the season, looks disorganized to me. There's a, there's no identity to the defense. And, and they were facing a guy in Charles Clay who they practiced against hundreds of times. And on that first Bills drive, he just carved them up for like 60 yards. And then his final touchdown catch was one where you know, we talked about, you know, Guys like Eric Weddle and Dante Whitner missing tackles. What on earth was happening with the tackling with the Dolphins? How does Joe Philbin get out of here without being left in London? That's what I want to know. Henry, where are you at on Joe Philbin? <laughs> I think I'm where every Dolphins fan is. You know, I was kind of scratching my head last year when he got given an extension at the end of the season. And, you know, the first three games, Mark talks about just, you know, the game against the Bills, which was bad. But I watched the win against the Redskins, which they really didn't look very good in either. And then obviously they lost to the Jags in week two. And there's nothing about the team that suggests that they're going to turn a corner at any point. In fact, you know, they, they always say that a team takes on the personality of their coach and their coach has no personality. And so <laughs> the team is kind of like just floating out there, really not good for anything. Yeah. I th- I mean, go ahead, Greg. No, go. No, I, I just think as far as this game goes, this is a wide-open game. Would anything surprise you in this game? Would, would it surprise you if the Jets easily won? Would it surprise you if the Dolphins spanked the no. Jets, who might not be as good as they maybe seemed after two weeks? Um, it would, wouldn't surprise me if this was a very close game. It could be. It can go in any direction, really. It would surprise yeah, me I agree. If, if Tannehill connected on a series of deep balls. That would surprise me. <laughs> right. He, he has the same <laughs> issues where he's good up the seams, bad to the outside. And I, I think the problem is when you give him that much money that people have a certain expectation. But we know that he's not a quarterback that's going to raise all boats. And right now, the offensive line is bad. The running game is bad. The, you know, the skill position players. I love Larvis, Jarvis Landry, but it's like he is the whole offense right now. And that's, oh. that's too much to put you on Jarvis conti- Landry. You continue to disrespect Rashard Matthews. All right, week. fine, Rashard Matthews, whatever. I'm, my point you is were, – You disrespect him as much as Joe Philbin did the last three years. My point is that <laughs> Tannehill is not going to over overcome things. And, and I thought this defense was going to be great. You know what London needs, Henry? And I think you feel this as a, as a you know, U.K. vet. They need some better games. I mean, they got that Falcons-Lions game last year. That was a great one. But there's been a lot of blowouts. Is this the game that makes the U.K. finally just fall in love with football? Henry, have you ever been called a U.K. vet before? (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess I am old, and I'm from the U.K. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I will will hold that against Greg for a while, man. (laughs) What does that even mean? I was just struggling for the vocabulary. Citizen was probably what I was looking for. But Henry Henry is a company man. I've said to Henry many times that – you know, Henry came from England, uh, from the London NFL office, and he's quickly moved up the ranks. I, I believe that he will be commissioner one day mm. if our country allows someone not from this country to be the commissioner of the NFL. I think a couple could hoops to it. jump through, but a couple hoops, yeah. but I think he can exactly. do it. Your, your thoughts, Henry, on the entire London experience for the NFL? Is it working? It's, Put him on the spot. I mean, there's no doubt. It's, there's no doubt it's working. There's, there's more fans than ever. The games sell out. You know, the the, the ambition of having a, having a team here and having more games here is is you know it's very real. Um, you know, in terms of you were talking about the quality of the games, I think it's not that you know just because there are two not so great teams and that's happened a few times over doesn't necessarily mean that they've, they've all been bad games. There've been some pretty good games played here, and and the fans are definitely into it. I think there's a 
there's kind of a suspicion that fans show up to the game and don't really know what's going on. And that might have been the case in 2007 when the Dolphins first came, play, came here and played against the Giants in, in the first International Series game. But the fans now are pretty savvy and they know when they're not seeing good football. And, and you'll hear the boos, you know, especially given that the Dolphins have a lot of support in, in London. Mm. If they don't play well on Sunday, you know, it'll be like a, a home crowd, apart from they probably won't be able to leave the stadium mm. because they don't get to see many football games. That's actually the, that's an interesting point. Our, Obviously, the Jaguars have poured a ton of resources sources and games into being uh, a team that plays in London a lot. Are they the most popular team there? No. The most popular team in the U.K. are the Patriots, just because they've been oh, successful please, recently and you know, people like to support winners. Come on, Wait, do um, they care that like the Dol- one of the cars over there, a Jaguar, is – there's no tie-in Jaguar. to that? Jaguar. Do they think that the dol- an animal is a dolphin is way, better? But not Jaguar. <laughs> the Dolphins are one of the most popular teams there, though. They absolutely are, yeah. Don't uh, a lot of Brits vacation in Florida or holiday that's, that's in Florida? exactly why. You know, you mm. you came back and your uncle bought you a, a cap saying Miami Dolphins are on and you kind of became a Dolphins fan accidentally. All right. So there he is, uh, Henry Hodgson, the notorious DOP, the director of programming of the digital platform of NFL uh, media, which is, you know, he's an important guy. And I imagine when you go back to the London office, Henry, a lot of people are happy to see you. A hero's welcome. Maybe there's a receptionist that always harbored a crush for you. Uh, you're happily married, obviously, with children. But uh, is there anything awkward with Because you are handsome and you are Americanized, and there is a, a, something sexy and glamorous about that. Very tall, too. Uh, no comment. You feel like you don't really fit in either place. When you're here, you know. A man without a country. You know, you're, you're the guy from the U.K. office. But now when you're home, you're noticing a difference. That yet you don't really feel at quite at home there either. This has become a confidence crisis all of a sudden for me uh, that I need to go and think about. All right. Sorry. All right. Henry, thank you so much. Um, I assume you're going to go to a pub now, but uh, if you're responsible and you're going to bed, sweet dreams, buddy. No, I'm going to go back to my warm beer and enjoy it. All right, good. There you go. All right. Henry, Hodgson. see you guys. Uh, they drank warm beer. Well, they drink. They yes, they drink a lot of beer. Well, you better hurry up. The bars closed there early. When I went That's to true? when I went to yeah. Ireland, the bartenders say, "Let me build you a beer," mm. because it takes a while to pour it. Just the way. Ah. They, the and way for though, I've been getting a lot of tweets. We are not all going to London, um, uh, but Mark definitely is, and Connor. So, de- so if you see them, besiege them like uh, the Beatles in a hard day's night. Only on that, that they're going to the podcast. Jaguars game. So that's a what three weeks, four weeks away. Late October. Uh, we all picked the Jets except for Mark, who uh, picked the Dolphins. Uh, moving on. I did. <laughs> Mark's struggling in the picks I right now. Know. Just so anybody I'm getting that's absolutely crushed. I, like I didn't even look at it last week, and I looked at it this week, and oh, you I picked am all home destroyed. Teams. You, gotta, you work for the NFL. Well, you should use your cognitive abilities. Well, you it's not the same tape. anymore. I, I like that pick. Well, that's true. I, I think the Jets' that. defense, they got no natural pass rush. Their the run defense isn't quite as good. No, Are you saying you don't care anymore because it's not worth anything with the boss not involved? I do care. I honestly thought if I picked home games from here to the end that I'd probably do, do just as well as anyone else. So but this was a strategy? Well, it stick. wasn't true last week. But well, it didn't. you got to stick with it. So maybe, you know. Maybe uh, take all Who's the home teams. team in London? That seems ridiculous. There's no. Technically, the home team is the Dolphins. That's a sham. All right, moving on. The Houston Texans are traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons. The Falcons are 3-0. and Get excited, people of A-Town. Uh, the Texans, on the other hand, 1-2. and two. They did It's get, not A-Town. 
A-Town, yeah. yeah According not. to Usher, it's A-Town. <laughs> Why? What is it? What is it? It's not A-Town. Hotlanta. Yeah, you're telling me Hotlanta is better than A-Town? I'm not the saying ATL. ATL. People say ATL. Can I move on with the show? Yes. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons are uh, undefeated after three weeks. The Texans got on got on the uh, the winning side of things. And, you know, when you pick games, sometimes uh, you kind of talk yourself into certain things. But I cannot talk myself into any scenario where the quarterback led uh, by my friend, the man I love, um, Ryan Mallett, almost forgot his name, will beat the team led by Matt Ryan right now. Right, Mark? There's no way. I Well, I would have a real tough time making an argument for Houston in this game. I'm not going <laughs> to. How about that? I'm not going to make an argument this, because I don't think they're going to win. This would take a superhuman game from J.J. Watt. And is Arian Foster going to play? We don't know. It could be a game-time decision from what we're hearing. Um, Aren't the Texans learning you can't just win with just what J.J. Watt? Well, they, they know that. One last week. Well, not just because of is him. There, do we really think there's that much of a difference between this Falcons team and the Texans? I, I am. I've been as down as the mm. Texans as anyone, and I had the Falcons making the playoffs before the season. But to me, they're both teams that are in the middle of the NFL. I, well, and on a certain day, it, it certainly wouldn't be a shock if the Texans can hang with them. I would take Matt yeah, Ryan, their building, Julio maybe. Jones, and Kyle Shanahan over yeah. anything happening with the Houston Texans. Right Julio now. Jones, by the way, and Wes, uh, as usually, did a great job. With your latest um, rankings, positional rankings, I urge everyone to check that out. Uh, you have Julio Jones as the number one wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, he is on pace. This is awesome. Julio Jones is on pace. And he also is nicked up a little bit right now, but I'm sure he'll play. 181 catches, 2,346 yards, <laughs> and 21 touchdowns. That's his pace right now. Wouldn't it be funny if Thomas Dimitrov after getting in trouble and having to surrender some of his duties, wins his third Executive of the Year award for this team. Mm. He hired a good coaching staff. The offensive line went from one of the worst in the league to an asset. They've got impact rookies in Vic Beasley and Tavin Coleman before his injury. There's there's some – uh, Who hired well, maybe him? Scott Pioli gets the job. Well, what about Arth – didn't Arthur Blank essentially hire this guy? That's a good point that Dan Quinn uh, had – you know, the most to say with his own coaching staff. And when you say better offensive line, that's Kyle Shanahan. That's the scheme because yep. well, the players aren't really very different. Dimitrov kept pouring early round picks into the offensive line and the coaching staff could never develop them. The former coaching staff. Well, that's what Shanahan's specialty, there, though. though. A lot of those guys aren't even there. And now they have a running back. And that was one of my big takeaways from last week was Devontae Freeman was was awesome. I mean, he ran angry. He ran so hard, just like that sort of energy out of him. I was almost surprised to see how well For he such played. a small guy, he's physical in like a Darren Sproles kind of way. Yeah, even more, though. I mean, he, he, to the point where you can give him 25 carries in a game. We'll see if he holds Third, up. 35 touches last week. He he was he was outstanding. If you're getting him as a big-time back, that offense is even even more. One thing, one thing for the Texans, keep an eye on Jadevian Clowney's turned into a player. Mm. He's, he making had, an, yeah. he's making more of Happy an impact every week. You really think this will be close, potentially? Oh, all I'm saying is I don't think the Falcons are some huge favorites because they're three and zero, and the Texans are one and two. To me, these are two teams in the kind of the middle okay. of the NFL, and yeah, I think it'll be a good game. We I all agree. We all have the Falcons, uh, but we shall see how close it is. Next up, the New York Giants—they uh, got their first win of the season. Uh, kind of an underwhelming victory over the Redskins at the Meadowlands. Now they travel to Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. Rex Ryan's team revitalized under old Rexy. Uh, you know, really just bullied the Dolphins uh, in Miami. 
uh, on Sunday. So they're at two and one, one game behind the Pats. The Giants at one and two. Uh, Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Um, your thoughts on the Bills right now? Where are you at with Tyrod Taylor through three games? Well, watching the game from last week, I think that the the marriage between Taylor and Greg Roman has been ultra successful. And we can talk about Kyle Shanahan. That was a great hire that has changed that Falcons team. I feel the same way for Greg Roman and Buffalo. OC talk with Mark Sessler. Well, because Re- this is what Rex Ryan never had. He never had a guy that's, you go do what you do, Rex Ryan, and let Greg Roman handle developing a, a mobile hire. quarterback. Tyrod Taylor. That's Rex Ryan's fault, to be clear. He handpicked those guys. He wanted Tony Sperano. You're not gonna, like, I want right. someone who limits my offense. That's his never that's happened. His, I'm not going to hold back on criticizing Rex Ryan. Right. I mean, I totally hear you, but Bottom line, he did hire a good coordinator this time. Yes. I think it's working out. The Bills had two of the fastest guys on the field last week and Sammy Watkins and Percy Harvin with the next-gen stats column that Wes does every week. Two of the fastest dudes, and I think that they've got weapons on offense. We know about the defense, and they're great at home. They're a load to deal with. What surprises me in watching all three Bills games is that Percy Harvin has been so much better than Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Harvin has been very good for the Bills this year. He's been easily their number one receiver. You know, it's it's funny from your uh, rankings, Wes, that I saw Percy Harvin sneak into the honorable mention uh, uh, category, and I was like, I was very surprised to see that. But now, uh, I in, in in Daryl Bevel in Seattle, it was all this. Oh, we can't figure out how to use Percy Harvin. He's hard to put into an offense with a mobile quarterback and a and a ground game that we that's exactly what Buffalo is and Greg 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 is getting the job done. And yes, they're he hitting is. him on third and longs. I mean Taylor's been really impressive. If you would have said going into the season, I mean their whole question was well, we can't really trust that offense cuz of Tyrod Taylor. They're third in the league in scoring. Some of that was catching up on the Patriots, but th- this was a Bills team that in the past could have never caught up in that type of type of matchup. I mean they are one of the highest scoring teams in the league, and they've done it with virtually nothing from Sammy Watkins, very little from Robert Woods. And, and nothing from LaShawn McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, too. McCoy yeah. And they're still scoring that many points. It's it's crazy. This it's w- funny to look at the Giants. They pour money into Rash- Rashad Jennings. They pour money into Shane Vereen. And the best running back on the field in this game will be a fifth-round rookie for the Bills, Carlos Williams. Uh, Shady McCoy and Sammy Watkins both likely out of this game with injuries. Victor Cruz... Uh, who who threw himself a uh, the return party about a month ago, uh, re-injured his or aggravated his calf injury at, at practice on Wednesday. He's out indefinitely. Who knows when we're going to see him? Uh, so their both sides have uh, injuries. And Wes, how about your boy, ODB? Uh, he's kind of in the background a little bit of some wide receivers like A.J. Green and Julio Jones getting all the headlines. How about a nice 200-yard game, 200 yard game from ODB just to remind everyone that he is a transformational talent? I like the way you're thinking because the NFL somehow gifted Ronald Darby the Defensive Rookie of the Month award. He hasn't <laughs> played as well as Marcus Peters. I don't know how that happened. Mm. That is a good combination. Gilmore, who's not fully healthy, and Darby, who – has played well. I mean, that defense is great. It, it When Jerry Hughes, talk about executive of the year, maybe give it to Doug Whaley. Think about the people that he's brought in. Carlos Williams, Percy Harvin. Jerry Hughes is looking like one of the best re-signings. These uh, are all Rex Ryan moves. Whatever. It, give it to Rex Ryan then. I'm saying <laughs> their their offseason is looking pretty good. Back from the break. Richie Incognito, I hate to say it. Is Another Rex big, Ryan move. Pretty big impact on that. Yeah. We all picked the Bills. Bullish on Buffalo. Like what I did there? That was that was very smooth, Dan. You're a, it's a master class. Uh, next up, the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, get excited, P. 
people that inhabit the black hole. You're two and one, and now you get to go to Chicago to face the Bears, who might be the worst team in football or very close to it. Um, do we have to deal with Jimmy Clausen for another week? It looks like it. Jay oh, Cutler says day-to-day, which is way earlier than anyone expected him to have a chance to play, but it looks like it. They punted nine times, I believe, in nine possessions last week. So the Ra- Ten for ten. Ten for ten. The Raiders are in a great position to go three and one. And we talked about this a little earlier in the week, uh, Chris Wessling, uh, that the Raiders are in a great position right here. Will they be able to capitalize on it? I would have thought about taking the Bears in this game if Jay Cutler was playing, but I, there's I, there's just nothing I've ever seen from Jimmy Clausen. One of the most amazing stats this week is that he's, I believe, played in 16 games and started 12 and never had a 200-yard game in the NFL, which is very hard to do. Oh 12 games without a 200-yard performance. It's not even good. I mean, the, yards how, good. that's very hard to be that bad. It's like trying to go in 16. That's terrible. It does help to get Jeffrey back, but why would the Bears – treat this game a whole lot differently than last week when they so just you're saying they're not going to try down. to win well they're going to try to win they're oh. not playing the, the Seahawks this week in Seattle that is the toughest ask especially against an 0-2 team yeah this Raiders defense isn't that good but it is balanced I mean it's got an okay defense they can run the ball we you know they can definitely their secondary is a tire fire that's true. But the front seven, the defense, like the score in the Seattle game, it's just when you're going to do nothing on offense, it's Martellus not Martellus gonna... Bennett might go for 300 yards in this game. I Gary the Barnage played got him well. for 100. Wait, should our fantasy team, Milana Weintraub, which is 3-0, and most points in the league, should we put in Martellus this week? Well, think about who the Raiders have gone against this year. Tyler Eifert got him for his best game ever. Gary Barnage got him for his best game ever. And Crockett Gilmore got him for his best game ever in the three games that the Raiders See, have played. This is why I brought Weston as a consultant. Now, I brought him in as a draft consultant, gave him 4% ownership <laughs> of Milana Vine. Well, actually, I brought him in to get out. And Remember, I, I gave him money. I paid him a dollar to do true. it Mark so that I wouldn't have to do it. So Mark is know. an 18%. And let the record show, I stood on the table for Larry Fitzgerald. Stood on the table for Larry, and we drafted him, and he's paid amazing dividends. So Milana Weintraub, who, by the way, is the AT&T girl in those commercials, that we, uh, Mark and I have had teams for three or four years. It's always a different woman that we – a woman. <laughs> it's like I just, all of a sudden I turned into Christopher Walken. A different woman. <laughs> Well, uh, Mark Sessler. You know, some people might perceive that to be relatively creepy. I got. Yes. I'm essentially out of the organization. I collect money if we win. You are very much a part of the organization. Mark, that's You're not 18% true. Eighteen percent share. Mark backpedaling away, distancing himself from. I fan don't. As much I couldn't name three like, people on that fantasy team. Mark, you've been connected with a loser football team your entire life. And now you have a chance to be connected to a potentially historic champion, and you're running from it. What does what? that say? A bunch of people mishmashed together on paper. What does it say, buddy? That's I don't all. need to. Well, we all pick the Raiders, by the let way. Let Greg speak to that. <laughs> what? what? Eat, Greg's theory on group-owned <laughs> fantasy teams is oh. straw, is bold. Well, what? That, what? Well, it's a ridiculous thing to have more <laughs> Of course than it's one ridiculous. Owner. That's the fun of it. <laughs> and is how about the results? You haven't done well in this league in general. Uh, no, I'm talking about this season. I restructured <laughs> ownership. I, I downplayed Mark's. Uh, he's like the Howie uh, Roseman of our team. I love I this. Put him how, in a different office. I love how Dan the the Dan building. reorganized this when I had to convince not, Dan to let me out of this. Not to me it at the end weeks. of the season. Okay. You know, you I don't will. get anything for a 3 0 start in a made up league. I got you. I got you. But no, we, the restructure, Mark was taken out of the personnel thinking. Took himself out. Um, <laughs> and I brought Wes in, who was a draft day consultant. And. My consigliere on some point, on some level, um, that's where we're at right I now. I exited because of the false 
narratives that yeah. pop up during the year, and you're experiencing <laughs> I, that right now. What, what, I pulled myself out of this. This is your been chance to be a champion, it. Mark. Don't let go. I mean, this, this sounds fake. very similar to the types of decisions you know Phil Emery was making in Chicago. That's why everyone got bounced last year. <laughs> Just you can't argue with results so far. The Raiders. I don't know if this has ever happened. The around the NFL team. We all believe the Raiders will win. On the road, too, after. <laughs> on the road. I think they had. Uh, well, but playing in Chicago, if they no, get know, down to. I mean, this is a good but place they to had play. that long road. Well, they're going to lay an egg, aren't they? Oh, this is an egg. This is an egg. They're going to lay an egg. I don't think so. I think they're they're going to stay aggressive, but you never know. Next up, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who could not hang with the Packers, do not believe the 38-28 final score. That game was not as close as that. Uh, the Chiefs uh, were overmatched, and now they got to go to Cincinnati, and that's rough. you got to. They've played three straight undefeated teams, haven't they? Well, you're always going to play one in the first week, but yeah. The Chiefs? <laughs> no, yeah, the Chiefs. They got beat by, well, that are undefeated Well, and then now. the Broncos. You're Geniuses. Right. Yeah, and the Broncos. <laughs> you guys are stupid. The, they've beaten the Broncos. I got it. The Packers, and now well, they've been beaten by the Broncos, Packers, and now the Bengals. Those teams are all undefeated. Children. They got a rough schedule out of the gate. I mean, I just want to see with, with the Bengals. All right, everyone's waiting for the Andy Dalton the other side of the coin. Not you. You've bought in. Well, that's that's why I, want, I haven't bought in entirely. But I, you, but I, here's you the bought thing. in. Here, no, not true. What I think, though, is that Andy Dalton is looking much more confident than he ever has before. I think he's in the, he's got the best play he's caller he's ever had. He's kind of the same. Well, I'm not saying his looks. He's playing more I, confident. He's playing with more confidence, more comfortable. He's going deep down the field. He threw the ball downfield. He had like six or seven throws of over 25 yards last week or over 20 yards. That, to me, is what the difference is. And, you know, the Chiefs secondary, we'll see. His numbers, by the way, 61 of 92. That's a 66.3 percentage completion, 866 yards, 9.4 yards average uh, per completion, eight touchdowns, just one pick, been sacked just once. And a 121 pass. But doesn't that mean last year's Dalton goes out and throws four interceptions and has people, you know, melting But we thought that last seats. week, you know what I mean? Right. Like, last year's Dalton didn't have Marvin Jones and Tyler Eifert. I mean, last week's yeah. Dalton had a fumble return for a touchdown and an interception in the end zone. People yes. don't talk about it. But the difference but he was came he back. kept going, right. kept throwing deep, and finished out the game I, unbelievably strong. I don't right? like what I saw from the Chiefs on Monday. I know they were in a very tough spot. Uh, but, yeah, we talked about it a lot in our last show about the way the offense moved. I don't see them going on the road here and, and, and beating a very good Bengals team. Just can't see it. I like their defense. I think it's the toughest matchup Cincinnati's offense has had so far. Um, but I don't know how they're going to score. The Bengals defense is playing really well, too. Geno Atkins is a different player. It's like they suddenly got Geno Atkins back, one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Pecco's making a lot of plays for him. The whole defensive line, they have a lot of players, and they just rotate them in and out. Everyone gave Mike Zimmer all the credit for that defensive line over the years, but it's really continued. It's a lot better right now. Leon Hall, too, who was you know a candidate, some people believe, to get cut over the summer and maybe move to safety has been their best cornerback. And Adam Jones is getting it done. If he you, had a great game last week. If you told me 10 years ago that Adam Jones would be one of the guys still left from that 2005 class, was it? I mean, and still going strong and playing well, no one no one would have believed it. Over under, Andy Dalton is awarded a PFF score of greater than 0.08 for this game. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Who over. knows? Just roll the dice. Over. Um, Pick anything out of a hat. Question. Any number. You'll be just as likely. Question for the um, – revolutionary fantasy minds in the room, Wes, Greg. What about Mark? What's up, Mark? 
Hello. How you doing? Glad to be here. Are I'm you, about to walk out. If you are a Jeremy Hill fantasy owner, are you nervous that things have taken a turn that he will not be recovering from as a fantasy entity? Of course you are. Anytime your players aren't aren't meeting the expectations you have for them, you have to be nervous. I'd buy low, though. I think he'd be a guy to take a shot on if someone w- wants to panic and trade him. My we, thing with Jeremy huge, Hill. huge ceiling. The thing with Jeremy Hill, though, before the season, I thought he was going to be inconsistent because – He's going to be a back where they need to have a lead in order for him to put up huge. And they've 3-0, and and he hasn't done much. They Do we bo- like him better in cold weather, though, as, as sure, Cincinnati yeah. goes from September into October and November? Interestingly, yeah. and Hill got benched for fumbling issues in Week 2, they both have exactly 41 carries. Bernard averaging 5.7 yards a carry. Hill, 3.0. Uh, we all have the – what do we have? We, no, actually, we have the Bengals except for – Connor Orr. Honor, Connor is a real I like average. Connor. He, he'll, he'll just do what he feels like. And he's having a nice season so far, 29 and 19. Is that something you wish you could do more often? Hmm. What? Really, if you don't care, games? why don't you get a little more, you know. Well, didn't I get a little more onions. bizarre last week picking all home teams? No, I mean more like, like, like onion hanging rather than just picking the home teams. Well, if I, if I stink up the joint again, I'm going to have to start getting wild. And that's how you really go down the tubes. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> so this could stop. be a record-setting, ugly campaign on my part, and I'm going to have to shut down emotionally. All right, next up, <laughs> as we continue to roll through the early games on Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars. 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 Uh, they are heading to Indianapolis to face the Colts. Here's the biggest thing you know, need to know about this game is that Andrew Luck, uh, for the second straight day on Thursday, was limited in practice uh, with a right shoulder injury. He suffered in uh, Sunday's 35-33 win over the Titans. Uh, everyone's downplaying it. Luck says he's definitely definitely playing. Pagano says he has, quote, and this is kind of a weird thing to say, supreme confidence that Luck will play on Sunday. Uh, but at the same time, he's been a uh, bystander at practice for two days, uh, and shoulders are no joke, Greg. They are no joke. Maybe it maybe it explains a little bit of his struggles. Wes was saying as far back as week one that he didn't think luck was. Pagano driving. says that the injury happened well, week three. I'm not saying a, that it is or not. That's what he said. It did not happen before. Well, they're going to say that because he just is on the injury report now. But mm. coaches always admit to the fact that they lie about their quarterback's health once they get to the offseason, or it comes out that they've, <laughs> they've been lying. So maybe that helps explain it. The, the biggest problem Andrew Luck has had, though, has been poor decisions in his offensive line. It hasn't been arm strength. It's been him really last week against Tennessee, for instance. I thought he played a, a really solid game overall. He just made two really bad decisions on those interceptions. Well, he's holding the ball too long, too. And I, I do think he's been throwing the ball with less, less authority going back to the first game of the year. But this game, I think it's it's a really bad matchup for the Jaguars because, you know, their offense is basically Allen Robinson and T.J. Yeldon right now. And Allen Robinson, as good as he is with the big catch radius and leaping ability, he struggles to separate from good corners. I imagine Vontae Davis will be on him. And then Yeldon, the Colts' run defense is only averaging 3.7 yards per carry this year, which is a major improvement from last year when they were 4.3 and they've got Henry Anderson and, and David Perry, these rookies who are really plugging the run well, I think that, that basically shuts down Jacksonville's offense. T.J. Yeldon hasn't excited me. He's been exactly what I expected, kind of a run-of-the-mill, run of not going to get you beat, but not anyone he's, to get excited about. He's got back. quicker feet than I expected for a big runner, but he doesn't have big playability. 3.2 yards of carries. So and we look at Blake Bortles, you got to chalk up some of his issues that he's had behind that terrible line, isn't that? 
also affect the ground game? We seem to make a lot of excuses for Blake. Sure. Well, I, no, but he's get he for the, the entire no Jaguars line has team. been as bad other than the Bucks. Well, I think they've been a little bit better this year overall. I mean, they played great. I would say in Week Two against Miami, maybe that was just the matchup. I mean, I think you'll see a lot more of Frank Gore. My boy, the inconvenient truth. Yeah. You, can, you can just keep writing him off, and you can put him in Indianapolis. He's getting older. He's, he still looks He's like the good. inconvenient mostly true right now. Yeah. He's looked he also good. had to leave he the first good. game because he was old. But he uh, <laughs> he probably he could get 30 carries, especially what, if luck is they had far some, off. They had some moments. I'm wondering how they come out of that game, if they're going to be a different team, kind of be the team that we've seen the last couple of years, because it was an inspiring win. It was a great victory that they fell down 27-14, and they do a 98-yard drive starting with 12 minutes to go in the game, down 13 points. That's an amazing point in the season where you absolutely need something. You're down by 13. They do a 98-yard drive. One of the plays, and that's why they got Frank Gore on this team, was a third and one uh, in the middle of that drive where he got hit in the backfield, he bounced off the tackler, and he dove for the first down to keep that drive going. A couple plays later, third and 20 from the 30, they hit a touchdown to come back. I mean, that that was a gutsy, like, you could see why Pagano was so excited. It was an amazing win. I think it's the game of the year so far. Um, still no timetable, by the way. <laughs> well, that was good. Not everything needs I watched to be delved it live further. I didn't, I didn't think it was even the game of the week. Really? The Colts played terrible for three and a half quarters. I don't think so. They're, they're up 14. How many games do you see a two-touchdown lead by both teams blown? And then Mariota, I thought, was playing great. Luck, when they absolutely needed to, made plays when with kind of their season on the line. I thought there was a lot of drama. You have no Mariota? excuses if you're the Colts you to go. not correct your season. Outside of the Patriots, the Jaguars – the Texans, the Saints, and the Panthers are your next four games. Where'd you get that research packet? It's just called uh, I got oh, it I online. It. You, you get it in your I email. I got no. You get it in your, no email. Comes every, in your email every like, week you've right. ever worked here. I like the physical version. I'm glad you haven't well, found your You have a printer. Your computer is also attached to a printer. Right? No timetable on Julius Thomas still, by the way. The surgery is one month ago today. He's supposed to be back in a month. Has not been cleared. Everything goes wrong for the Jaguars at all times. Um, moving on. Uh, and we all... We all picked the Colts. Moving on. The Carolina Panthers are 3-0, and another undefeated team, and uh, now they get to play the Bucks on the road. Tampa Bay is 1-2, and uh, so this is a game where you would think the Panthers are again uh, Greg Rosenthal in good position to continue to build on what's been a very nice start for a team that has won two straight division titles and has gone in for three. It's crazy how every week it feels like they're in the worst, one of the worst games of the week. How does that keep happening? I guess that's a good thing, though. If you're the Panthers, you keep winning. Cam Newton last week was protected absolutely perfectly. I mean, the Saints didn't get anywhere near him, and he's just throwing bombs down the field. Very sharp. I liked how aggressive they were. That was what I liked about the Bills game. They were very aggressive in the second half with the lead, which is funny because Rex whined about it when the Patriots did it. And the, the Panthers were very aggressive once they took the lead over the Saints to keep pass, pass, passing, which is good to see out of Ron Rivera. I mean, Greg Olson, what he had, like, a monster game against the Saints, and that has a lot to do with, their, with the New Orleans secondary, but he's had a great, great year so far. Luke Keekley is still not practicing, by the way. He had that concussion, uh, so don't expect to see him. Uh, and Jared Allen will make his... Uh, Panthers debut in this game. Did you guys notice anything different with Cam's throwing motion? No, but I'm not a scout. I mean, I never get into all that. I, I, they spent all offseason talking about his footwork, and I've noticed no difference there, but his deep ball is now being thrown side-armed with a hump on it. <laughs> what? 
he's throwing sidearms <laughs> for his deep balls. The and it's giving, it seems to me like it's giving him a lot more touch. He's not just trying to throw bullets forty yards downfield. Mm. He's throwing sidearms, and it's got a little bit of a it's got a little bit of a hump is on. It helping with the chronic overthrows. It is. It's absolutely helping him add some timing to these passes where he's throwing the ball up and letting his receivers he's run under the some ball. Old Bernie right. Cozart. So you're saying these offseason stories that we wrote are not totally useless. No, I'm, what I'm saying is they talked about his footwork, and it's got nothing to do with his footwork. It's all arm <laughs> angle. It's sidearm. He was throwing the ball sidearmed he, on deep passes. He had just about a perfect game last week. They, that was the best I've seen him throw deep probably in his career. They barely had the ball in the first half. The Saints executed their game plan perfectly, just kept it away from the Panthers to the point that the Panthers had to score every time they got the ball, and they basically did. They scored, I think, five of their six, first seven possessions. We all Remember the the – Pass down the seam to Greg Olson, where he throws it right over the defender. Olson yeah. gets it with one hand. It's perfect ball placement, and that's something he couldn't do with his old throwing motion. We all took the Panthers in that game. Moving on, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, finally got in the win column against the Jets, and now they head to Washington to face the Redskins. Uh, so let's see what we have here. DeMarco Murray, a full participant in practice on Thursday. He had that hamstring issue, so you could put him back in the backfield no. see what they <laughs> figure out how to do. And, you know, I wrote – a post today, Thursday, about um, Chip Kelly, who was asked in a press conference what happened to all the big plays and um, explosive plays, I think was the wording. And uh, Kelly said the reason why, because the Eagles led the NFL in explosive plays in 2013, and then overall, over the first two years that he was the coach, they led the league in that category. This year, they are 24th, I believe. And he gave kind of a uh, a answer that made sense, uh, but at the same time was a little underwhelming. He said, well, it's because now teams play us differently on defense. They play us, the cornerbacks and, and safeties, they play off 10 yards on us, so they've taken that away from us, so no longer, so we have to react to the way well, they you, play us. You also don't have Deshaun Jackson. To my, yes, right? and there's no Deshaun Jackson, and there's no LaShawn McCoy for the big running plays. But to, to my my response to that is, well, listen, and I joke around, like, oh, you're the genius, Chip Kelly, but – if you really are this offensive mastermind, isn't there a way to manipulate uh, defenses and take advantage of them giving you too much space underneath? I, something's not adding up with that answer. That's his, his reputation is not just that he has this offensive system. It's that he adjusts to what people are doing against him, and he's always thinking of new ways to beat defenses. And unless you, you know, you're saddled with Sam Bradford, who his numbers when he throws beyond 10 yards are abysmal. Well, that was my first thought when I heard this, the, the story that Dan wrote, that he's just protecting his quarterback. I mean, that's why you're not going to get a fully honest answer. I mean, Bradford is – I don't know what happened to the dude we saw in the preseason. That was a very he, small sample size. He threw 10 passes that really made That's fair. And but also, we, we, we all talk about it all the time in the preseason. The literally 10. Don't really but play he defense. looked great, though. It he was more about where he was putting the ball. Right, but it was, it was just 10 passes. Right. Sure. I wonder, coming off that last game, more about Sam Bradford – than I did the week before. Because the week before seemed so crazy bad that it was a fluke. But Bradford was terrible against the Jets. I mean, he was the worst. Ryan Fitzpatrick was better in that game, and Ryan Fitzpatrick was not good. Bradford was not accurate at all. I know the box score would have looked better if the running backs had caught a couple passes. You mentioned that, Dan, and, and that's true. But for the most part, out of the 25 whatever passes it was, he was off target on almost all of them. And some easy throws, too. I think it's very possible that this game is my game of the week because I think the Redskins can come out of this clearly as the better team of these two. Well, I was going to say, like, uh, there was a lot of positive Redskins talk going into Thursday night, and they played – they did not play a good they game did. at Thursday all. Thursday night games are weird, but you're right. They didn't play show well. 
Um, they, uh, does that take away any of the confidence that was building within this room about how good the Redskins can be? Sure. I mean, I thought their Week 2 game was the most complete game I've seen maybe any team play this year. They thoroughly outclassed the Rams. And then they come back the next week, and Kirk Cousins looked like he doesn't have enough arm strength to throw a touchdown. I I feel the same about Kirk Cousins that I've always felt, which is I have I have very little faith. I think he's a poor man's Dalton, where he's going to have a total stinker every three weeks, but he's not even as good as Dalton on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean, the, the Redskins, for me, it can't come down to Kirk Cousins throwing the ball 35 times. It has to be what we did see against the Rams, which was Matt Jones, Alfred Morris, one-two punch that's going to beat you up, and both lines dominated that game. That's not what happened against the Giants, so that's concerning. The, uh, Mark and Wes both took the Redskins in this game. The rest of the crew. That's not good news for Wes. Greg <laughs> took the Eagles. All right, it's that time of the show. He sits in between Wes and the old Zeuser. He is the host <laughs> of the Around the NFL TV show. He is the great Andrew Siciliano. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. Happy to be here, guys. Back up. You call yourself the great Zeuser? The old Zeuser. <laughs> the old Zeuser. That's what How the- long, Andrew, did it take for you to start uh, speaking about yourself in the third person? As a, uh, ro- as a gigantic mythological god. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. I'll let you know if and when it does. Okay. Uh, listen, let's stay on topic. Andrew is here, and we love to have Andrew here. Uh, and he like just here. actually, five days a week, the Around the NFL TV show, um, at what time? So I always get it wrong. Stop, Dan. I you gotta know it, it by it's, now. It's I, I got, six o'clock I got every day Easter. tweets last week about this that you couldn't remember. Two o'clock. <laughs> two o'clock on Thursdays, Eastern on game day because Thursday is game day ah. on the network. Every other day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, it is at six p.m. Mm-hmm. normal time. See, I get tripped up by the time zones. Six p.m. normal. So do I. Or Eastern, as they call it. Gotcha. Uh-huh. And on today's show, on Thursday's show, you had uh, Seahawks star Michael Bennett. Yes. Nice conversation with him, from what I understand. One of my favorite knuckleheads in all of football. And I mean that in a very <laughs> endearing way. He is awesome. A, he's good at football. B, he showed up to start the interview with a with an arm full of trophies. <laughs> he gave himself a trophy of some kind for beating his brother. So he's the best brother, and he wanted Martellus to see it. You know, they, they shut out the Bears last week. And then he had, like, five Emmys. That he local <laughs> Emmys, I guess, that he took out of the cabinet in the building in Seattle that the Seahawks had for local coverage or something. Like, hey, local TV. <laughs> so he had, honestly, we have a shot of it somewhere, an arm full of Emmys. And that's how we came on the air with all the trophies. You are aware that Michael Bennett and the old Zeus are a little bit of a fractured nah, past. Listen. How do you anger that guy? Uh, well... Talk to him Super after he just lost the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. Game. Uh, he was on his the riser. You know, I asked him a perfectly normal question about, you know, what what was the vibe, the shock after the the Butler interception, and he his response. Uh, and listeners of the show know this, so I don't like to talk about it, but I will bring it up again. His response was about as big as a surprise as when your w- wife first saw your fill in the blank. <laughs> And then he added, uh, I, I don't remember. I because it's small. Oh, oh yeah. He then <laughs> offered the clarification because that's, it's small. I, that's I, awesome. I thought he, I find him to be classless. I have told him oh, at Moses Fred, is that, that's a horrible Twitter I, well, handle. He, he certainly, he certainly hit you below the belt. He certainly, well, quite literally. <laughs> yes. And I'm waiting for the apology. Um, 
Martellus or Michael? I, no, I'm it, not even it's sure. Michael. It's Michael. Michael. And it, you know, at the end of our interview today, because he was did cracking, he talk about your junk? He, he Probably did not. not. He was cracking <laughs> me up, and I said Funny to him, guy. Michael, please don't ever change. And he said goodbye by saying, "I'm always smiling. I'm in America. I'm black, and I'm rich." <laughs> so I love that guy. Isn't he cute? I love that guy. He's got that apology to Dan in his Twitter drafts folder. It's coming eventually. I, if, if they make the he Super has no Bowl. idea who you are. The Zeuser has. A lo- <laughs> if they make the Super Bowl, the Zeuser has a long memory. And uh, oh, yes, oh. don't forget things. He has no clue you exist. I am coming after him. You heard me, Michael Bennett. I'm coming after you. All right. So Andrew Siciliano is here, and that means we're going to get into some more games because Andrew's a man, an encyclopedia of knowledge. The, the brain is at another level. I, I like. get it all from you guys at the Around the NFL Twitter feed. You're like the guy from Limitless. What's, what's <laughs> Limitless? It's a guy who I takes a pill it. and then has all the knowledge in the world. Wait, I've actually seen that. It's a good movie. It's I can't a, believe actually I've seen a, one of the um, movies you've referenced. It's, uh, what's his name, Bradley Cooper, like an under-the-radar movie. Now it's a bad CBS show, but whatever. I'd Let's rather be um, Scarlett Johansson in that movie where she's slowly using more and more of her brain until, oh, the, uh, until the part where her? she's super Horse Whisperer. I'd Not rather the horse whisperers. I'd rather uh, <laughs> Ghost World. No, that was a good. I know it wasn't Lucy about. either, but she was great in Lucy. It was the one that was out last year. And then she uses all her brain, and then Morgan Freeman's the professor, and then everything blows up at the end. Yeah, no, that horse. No, that horse, is horse, horse whisperer. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johansson, by the way, is. I'd rather you were Scarlett Johansson too. <laughs> can I can I name drop? So I met her years ago. I tower over her. Wow, really? And I'm five seven with shoes. Like and, and by the way, I don't care. She's awesome. Yes, she is. <laughs> yes. Mo- moving on. No argument from the group. Moving she on. Let's perfection, talk about and uh, let's talk about some football. The Cleveland Browns. <laughs> we'll start right there because we know Andrew has Cleveland roots, and we know Mark Sessler used to have Cleveland leanings. Uh, Andrew, in fact, is called Mark a, a coward. Uh, for <laughs> listen, I, I, I took it back. I, I, I'm, it back. I'm in the mix. There, I, you know. Back. We, and let, we'll get into that in a, a second, where you are with that. But the Cleveland Browns are 1-2. and two. They had a home loss to the Raiders, which really uh, was predictable. Was your brother there, by the way, Andrew? No, my dad was. He gave tickets to dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Poor my dad called it, and I'm not exaggerating, although he is prone to hyperbole, the worst display of professional football I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, so that's where the Browns are at in 2015, <laughs> same as they were before, basically. Now they got to travel to SoCal. They're going to face the Chargers, a 1-2 and two Chargers team that – uh, you know, a little bit disappointing, but you would think there's going to be um, uh, an advantage in this week against a Browns team, which, let's face it, is not very good. Andrew, uh, what do you what are you taking away from this game? What do you see? Do the Browns have a shot? Uh, of course they have a shot because they have had moments of defensive glory this year. Granted, they've been fleeting. I, I'm just hoping Brian Seip will show up as he is a Browns legend, the 1980 NFL mm. MVP, and I believe he still coaches in, in San Diego. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would be cool. Um, you know, the story this week in Cleveland has been, is TMZ right? Or did TMZ, I'm, I'm dead serious. I hate to give them the credit here, but I don't know if it's credit, but that's what people have been talking about. Did they make up quotes with three players claiming they supported Johnny Manziel? That's all well, anybody is talking step about. Step in one thing. One th- TMZ does not is not a bastion of journalistic integrity, but it is not known as a place that makes up stories. That oh, are wait a minute. I, look, I, I, I'm not here to, again, bash TMZ, but for Pete's sake, they had a Michael Sam story a couple of months ago where when you clicked it, it claimed he said one thing. He absolutely didn't say anything like that and had to issue a press release saying, I never said that. Watch the video. It's clear I never said that. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ever. These, these are these are sources inside the Browns. Well, would it be room? would it be surprising or would it be even weird if three people, no. especially young players on that team, didn't? Of course, a of few course. people in the locker room sure. want Johnny Manziel. We have no idea if right. it's the majority sure. or what. And that's what I'm trying to get to. Who it's expected that there are going to be people that think the other guy should play. You don't think there are people that last week, even though this sounds absurd, absurd, thought that Blaine Gabbert should play the second half against the Cardinals. I guarantee you at least one. You think there are anybody in Philadelphia that that wants Mark Sanchez to play? Yes, I sure. guarantee you yeah. there yeah. are. Well, this so unless you have a franchise quarterback, some of the locker room is going to want the other guy to play. Exactly. I, this was telling. I talked to Wes a little bit about this Browns game, <laughs> and he officially has given up on Josh McCown. I'm out. The on only Josh defender of Josh McCown in America. <laughs> that was a rough performance I, he had. I told uh, you I was out on him in the preseason when I realized he was just going to get injured because he he's so careless with his body. You know what might have been worse though than Josh McCown, and they got off to a terribly slow start was. A defense, two things. Hayden is not healthy and is having Mm -mm. struggles, and he's going to have struggles against Keenan Allen this weekend. They missed like 14 tackles. That's exactly the number. They They missed 14 tackles. This was meant to be the strength of this team, and it was absolutely the opposite last week. The the Raiders' offensive line against the Cleveland pass rush was the most dominant performance I've seen Mm -hmm. out of any offensive line this season. The, The Browns... Defense looked totally inept, and their run, their run defense, which was we got Danny Shelton, we're going to shore this thing up, is giving up like 40, 50 yards more per game than they were year last year. Because a lot of those missed tackles, I watched I think the first three quarters last night before the oven told me I was burning dinner, and <laughs> two things peek behind the curtain. Two things: Dante Whitner and Jordan Poyer both had a lot of trouble with missed tackles to the point where Petten today as we tape this Thursday, was asked, are you thinking of sitting him down? Mm. That is Dante Whitner. Um, <laughs> and, and the other thing, too, is on the right side of that offensive line, friend of the program, Jeff Schwartz, I, I don't mean to bash the brother, Mitchell Schwartz did not have a good game. And even when they gave him help with a fullback, I mean, there are a couple of plays where just, I mean, Khalil Mack bought his plane ticket to the mm. Pro Bowl week three. And, you know, Josh Schwartz of two years ago. Well, this is the ultimate matchup of a terrible pass rush, apparently, against what I think is the worst offensive line in football in San Diego. Just, just, and none of those guys. And they're all hurt too. Anecdotally, they're injured. Five drives last week ended on third down for the Chargers when they had absolutely no chance to protect Rivers. Anecdotally, I thought this this has to be the worst offensive line in the league. And I went and looked at our friends PFF, and they did have them overall as the worst offensive line, run block and pass block. I think also with the Chargers this week, I found it um, unnecessary. But Phillip Rivers was asked on the podium last Sunday, does the locker room still have faith in Mike McCoy? Mm. I, I can't believe we're there already. But the fact that anyone is even asking that in San Diego, look, it could just be one clown. I don't even know who asked it. But I I, I can't imagine. If, I, I think the Chargers, if they, the, they get back to it this week. Yeah. If the Browns get the doors blown off, and I don't care they're if they're down. Get, they're not getting the doors plays, blown off. No, or not. if they get beat and it's, a, you know, 24-10 or something. Okay. And whether McCown plays well or not, I don't get why Manziel wouldn't be starting at 1-3. and three, You, you have to nowhere. because, number one, you've at that point discovered, all right, the season is a wash. And we go into another offseason. We're drafting a quarterback or finding a least, quarterback yeah, because find out. you got to find out. I don't know. Your no season's not a wash at one and three. It is Close. if you're the Cleveland Browns. What, what are they going to do? But McCown's uh, not going to be the guy that's going to lead you back from one and three to ten and six. He's I, just not going to be that guy. These are two different issues. I agree with you. They probably should go to Manziel. I disagree that the season's a wash at 
one of them. Not if you're the one in three Ravens. If you're the one in three Browns, I, what's the what's the DNA that tells you well, to climb back the in? The one in three Ravens have no deep threat. They have their first round pick getting his knee scoped and can't run the ball. Hmm. We shall see. We all picked the Chargers there. Uh, moving on, the St. Louis Rams. Uh, you know, Big Ben gets hurt and they're in their building. And the Rams still can't find a way to win. So they're one and two now. And anybody that has belief in the Rams, and Greg, I know you've been a believer, and perhaps you still are, but I that was disconcerting. Uh, they fell to one and two. Now they got to go to Arizona to face the Cardinals, who are playing as well as anyone. Uh, the Patriots included right now, three and zero, oh, just killed the Niners. Uh, the worst beating in that uh, matchup uh, in the history of the, the two teams, a forty-seven-seven win. So now the Rams have to put up on a big spot on the road. And Wes and uh, Greg, if, if you believe in the Rams, they gotta do something here. They gotta put up a fight, and it'd be nice to see them win a game. Here. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see this game because it's a great matchup, at least when the Cardinals are on the field. It, as much as we love the Cardinals, who are now the official team of the around the NFL pod. They're the highest scoring team in football. They have had because the, we saw that coming. They've had the easiest schedule you could basically come up with to this point, especially against defenses. So, I'm looking forward to seeing them against this St. Louis defense, which ultimately executed their game plan against Pittsburgh. I mean, the defense gave up 12 points. It was going to be 9 points through 3 quarters with Ben Roethlisberger on the field, and I think the Rams can be frisky as as bad as they can be and disappointing like when they go to Washington they're they're good in the division and I think they're a tough out each week even if it only adds up to seven or eight wins in the end I think they can knock off good teams like the Cardinals what I'm ha- with you and, and I'm sorry go ahead Chris what happened the last time the Rams went on the road Did the Redskins uh, Redskins owned their soul yeah that's that was one of the most soul. complete <laughs> beatdowns that was one of the most complete beatdowns I've seen all year. That's Both like, sides of the ball. Like, I reach into your heart and pull out your beating. Yeah, There's yeah. nothing about this Rams team that makes me think they're going to be p- competitive in this game on the road. I think they'll be competitive because I think their defense will keep it competitive. I think the most disappointing thing about last week is that, again, like we said the week before, you have a big test in Washington. You fail that test. You come back home. Look, Lance Kendricks, you had a touchdown, buddy. You don't drop that ball. It's a different game if he doesn't. Granted, he did. And then Nick Foles in the end with a chance again. They get the ball back, and Foles airmails it, I think, on the first play of the drive and gets picked off. Um, they are getting after the quarterback early in the season this year, which is something they did not do last year. And, again, they are the team that knocked out Carson Palmer. Now, it was a fluke play last year. It was nothing more than Mark Barron putting his hand on on Palmer's shoulder. He that guy's stepped dangerous, up. Mark. He is. Yeah, he he is. stepped up through the hand. It, it wasn't dirty. It, was bare, it wasn't even a hit. But, you know, somebody asked Carson about it this week, and he pretended like he had no idea what they were talking about. Um, I think this Cardinals team is, I don't want to call it scary good because of the competition so far. I think this is more of a test for the Cardinals than people want to let on. I would hmm. be extremely upset if, and Andrew, in our last podcast, we did name the Arizona Cardinals the team of around the NFL. I wasn't asking for the whole song, just a snippet. That's good. But let's listen to it. Why not? Andrew, listen. Let's bathe in it. Know that I wrote the words. Rich lyrics. Who the heck recorded this? Dick Banks, the one-man house band. Still going. Still going. <laughs> now, pay attention to this last part. Here. This is a very special honor. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
always gets Wow. Me. Where's your poison shirt? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, they or are. Were the, you a Slayer fan? Uh, definitely I was not a metal guy. Okay. That, the kid, like the cool kids, uh, when I was like late elementary school, early junior high, it was like to wear the Metallica shirts and stuff. Deb Hansis would never allow me. I couldn't even wear a Bart Simpson shirt. You went third I'm person with you. again there. Oh. Well, that was, no, she said no, De- Deb, Deb. Deb Hansis. Oh, oh, I thought you. I'm sorry. Deb Hansis. I'm sorry. My fault. My fault. I was like, geez, now I don't even realize. My I'm fault. My fault. Dan and I went to a Travis show a couple months ago, so that's that who's, should tell you where we are. Who's Travis? Well, exactly. Great Scottish. <laughs> no, Darius. Band. Serious. Who's that? Uh, Not Travis Tritt. A, okay. a band from I, Scotland. A mid-level band that peaked 15 years ago. The polar opposite of Slayer. <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah, basically. Anyway, so long story short, Cardinals, don't let us down here. You can't lay an egg at home after we name the team of ATL. This game could feature the two biggest challengers to J.J. Watt for Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. Aaron Good Donald night. and Honey Badger, who is making <laughs> – Honey Badger is making big plays every single game. Yeah, we all picked um, the Cardinals to go 4-0, except for Connor Orr who has the Rams pulling off the upset. Moving on, the Minnesota Vikings have won two straight after that ugly Monday night opener, and now they go to Denver to face the Broncos. Of course, the Broncos had the Sunday night win at Ford Field against the Lions. And really, uh, Chris Wessling, this is the ex- one of the b- better matchups of the week, maybe the best matchup, Adrian Peterson against the Denver Broncos defense. Yum. Yeah. I think this might tell you how bad the matchups are this week, that this is like the cream of the crop. It's, it's, not, not, a, it's not the best week. Yeah. And the the Broncos' defense is one of the most fun units to watch this season. Adrian Peterson's probably the most fun running back to watch any season he's ever played. So in that sense, yeah, it's going to be – that should be fun to watch. Did you guys see the Eric Weddle? Yes. What, business the decision? Attempt? The business Ridiculous. Yeah. On, on the Peterson long touchdown? Yes. Ridiculous. So, I, I mean – we're we're sitting here to start week four, and Adrian Peterson leads the NFL in rushing. It's it's kind of like the world has returned to its axis here. They I haven't seen a lot from Teddy Bridgewater this year, though. I'll say that. Not that he's playing poorly, although week one was ugly. Um, I guess this is the formula. This I don't is know. what we La- thought it would be. Last week was a bit of a fluke. I think week two was the formula. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater played a great game, but he only had to throw the ball eight times which and, is the, the formula yeah and why the, not right the crazy thing with Peterson is is Chad Greenway said before last week's game that was the first time that Adrian Peterson looked like Peterson in practice so he was serviceable even in week two he said after that game he started to look like Adrian Peterson again then he rips off this big game and you start thinking well that makes sense like this has been his preseason essentially, the first couple weeks of the season. It, he's just getting into gear now after not playing for, for a year. You know what's crazy is so with, I think he's at 290 is his rushing number through three games, so less than 100 a game. He is actually on pace to have a better season than his 2,000-yard season. That oh, makes, right. that oh, makes no nuts. sense. He yeah, went, he went nuts right in the second before. half. Yeah. Makes no sense. What happened to your boy Charles Johnson, man? He is really struggling. Well, right he's now. not healthy right now. Right, but even before, I, well, you're right. I, I don't as know. a well, passing game I, in general. I, I think that the team is different than it was last year. Last year, yeah. they, you know, when Charles Johnson played more down the stretch, they scored what was it, ten more points a game or something. They their offense was was more centered around what they had to do. It's not. I think we talked about what the formula is, and it's not Charles Here's Johnson. Here's the problem, though. 
if you're going to get out of the NFC, a very good NFC, at least a top-heavy M- N- N- NFC, you cannot just lean on Adrian Peterson to save the day. Teddy Bridgewater has to take the take the leap. You need guys like Charles Johnson to step up. It's just not good enough to just have Peterson. It's not going to work. Uh, two things. Number one, remember when Mike Wallace played for the Vikings? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't. Okay. Number two, <laughs> n- n- number two is I didn't know if – I don't think anyone – saw this as a two-team division. Hmm. But it has now turned into a two-team division. I thought it was going to be one of the better divisions in football. I didn't think the Bears were any good. It's a good point. But it's a two-team division now. Yeah, and yeah. I think Minnesota has the pieces. They've been quiet, but this is a tough game for Denver. It, you know, Peyton Manning made progress last week, but this is a great test for that offensive line and him getting the ball out quickly. I know it was because they were playing the Chargers in part, but – that's one of the better defensive lines in the league. Anthony Barr's coming off his best game as a pro. Everson Griffin's playing well. Linval Jofis, you know, Sharif Floyd. They have a lot of just players there. And it's going to be – It's I think it's going to be a tough game for Denver to move the ball. We have all picked the Broncos to win the game. Mm, uh, a little really. surprised. I am too. But uh, I guess that defense and an improving Peyton Manning uh, carries the day. Do you see it the same way, Andrew? <sighs> in Minnesota, Yes. In Denver. In Denver. In Denver. Then, yes, we have all picked the Denver Broncos to win this game. <laughs> That's right. what happened there. Yes. All right. So, uh, again, this is Andrew Siciliano, the host of the Around the NFL TV show. Uh, he's going to leave us in a second. But before he goes, we want to talk to Andrew. And, uh, gentlemen, we're all going to talk about this a little at the back end of the show. But since we have Andrew here, uh, the NFL is beginning its annual trip to uh, jolly old England. Tenth straight year. Jeff Darlington got that trip. That, How about did you, that? Did you put in for it? Go, I did go. not. I, I put in years ago. It never worked. I was trying to take T.A. there. said Kara Henderson and I could go there. We'd fly home on Friday. I'd go do red zone. She could stay in that fun. I, I never got it. But this year, mm. Jeff Darlington, he took his tight suits to a place where they take tight suits. <laughs> share. Tight <laughs> share some of your other career frustrations, Andrew. No, 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 no. I'm not frustrated. I went to London this summer. I saw Wimbledon. It was great. Good. Yeah. Andrew also did the Olympic coverage. This guy is professional. But here's the question right Jerno. now. Here he is. Professional Jerno. A favorite cultural export from England. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Andrew Sicilian. All right. I like Bond. I'm a big Bond fan. Awesome. Uh, on the literary side, you, you can't argue with Dickens or, or Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. certainly. Um, there's plenty of music. Can I go Monty Python, though? Or Monty Python? Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh-huh. And the Flying Circus. I'm a huge Python fan. Saw Spam a lot of the Hollywood Bowl a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic. So, and here is some Monty Python right here. Mm-hmm. So always look at the bright side of life. Let's give it a little listen. You guys don't know your Python, do you? At all. I don't at all, really. No. I've watched it. And, I, and I'm happy that you you've, uh, highlighted this, Andrew. Tell me what made Monty Python... Great. Because it's absurd. It is absurd as anything on TV. The bright side of life. Just a notch above Benny Hill in your book. Oh, so much better than Benny Hill. <laughs> I mean, how could you... Like, like for example, The Life of Brian. You guys never saw The Life of Brian. I have seen it. I have. Totally okay. Life of Brian is brilliant. I, I Holy like Grail it. is brilliant. Holy Grail is brilliant. All right, what's the starting point? Um, the Ministry of Funny Walks, brilliant. If I need to get in, where do I? What's a good starting point? Well, you get the. I'll give you the entire Flying Circus DVD set if you want. Do you still have a DVD player? I actually, actually, I do. I do. I okay. I would watch Life of Brian. Have you seen Life of Brian? No, I'm okay. told. I'm totally. 
Okay, it's Holy an allegory. Gra- everyone should know the Holy Grail. And the Holy Grail. Yeah. Yeah. Come Meaning on. the life where they're... I've puke, seen Mr. Bean. Is that... Puking a lot. <laughs> Mr. That's as far as my British <laughs> humor goes. That's a bad one. As a child. That's a terrible answer, Bean. Mr. Bean. I hope none of us have that answer. As, oh, oh, as our favorite export? Ex- yeah, I wouldn't call Bean my favorite export, but as a kid... It's up there with I, Belvedere. They used to play it on HBO and... A lot. It, a lot, and I liked it. But um, By the way, second Monty choice. Yes. Second choice would probably be Kira Knightley. Ooh, that's right. that's fair. All right, we're we're inching closer to a, a, a ladies' uh, power rankings here. Scarlett and now Kira both brought up today. And yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing says dork more, more than a top ten hot chicks. All right, coming up next, the ten hottest babes I mean, in Hollywood. Nothing turns you into Wayne's World more than a top ten hot chick list. All right, let me try this, Andrew. <laughs> you're a, you're a, you know as you said I've I've said before you're I'm not saying you're the balls. dork by the way Dan no, that, I'm just saying but I am yeah no no well whatever um the around the NFL television show is on five days a week it is and, uh, let me tell you something what time it's on six p.m. Eastern uh-huh. Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Friday uh-huh. but however Thursday it's uh-huh. game day here at NFL Network uh-huh. it's on at eleven a.m. Pacific two p.m. Eastern I did it man I. <laughs> I could see the gears grinding. <laughs> it's so hard for me. I was concerned towards the end of that, but you really not that hard. When you travel overseas, how, how do you? you I don't. Think the time zones must mess you up. Like I what just time stay is in it back? America. Home? That's it. Really, America? No, I uh, get out more. No, I listen. I'm doing my best. Dork. Listen, not all of us can cover the Olympics. Andrew. First of all, I cover the Olympics from Stamford, Connecticut. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's less impressive. Which is just like Sochi, but different. Uh, Andrew Siciliano, thank you for joining us. Please come back next week. Good night now. Bye-bye. <laughs> Moving on, uh, another late game, the Green Bay Packers uh, coming off a win on Monday night. Now fa- face the San Francisco 49ers, who have looked, let's face it, like one of the worst teams in football for two straight weeks now. Um so this seems on paper to be another uh, chance for Aaron Rodgers to pad some stats against a uh, defense that's not very good. True or false, Greg? What's true or false? That he has a chance to the pad, pad his stats <laughs> against a defense well, that's, that's true. not very good. Everyone has a chance to do that every week. I don't okay. think it'll necessarily. I mean, <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Who's going who's gonna to stop? You did it. <laughs> what did I do? You're very smart, and you won. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, if I won, why do I have to get Listen, anybody can win on any given game because it's just 11 guys on each side. I mean, if the question is, uh, can Aaron Rodgers shred anyone? Of course. The answer, I would say, is yes. I think the 49ers have a chance. Why not? It's football. Oh, God. <laughs> it is weird because the Niners team we saw it. I hated that analysis, Greg. <laughs> I love your best. analysis all the time. That one I didn't like. Well, my, it the question, cool. it's. It's hard to say All right, it's a bad question. that, that Rodgers couldn't do well against anyone, especially this defense, which has been – But is there a very good chance that Rodgers is going to ha- throw out one of those, you know, d- devastating performances again where the, it blows the game think, out by the third quarter? I think the 49ers will figure some things out and, and do better on defense. Of course there's a good chance. This, this defense has been shredded by Big Ben and Carson Palmer the last two weeks, and Rodgers is better than both of them. A-Rod said, by the way, I'm no MJ. Felt like a shot at Chris Wessling. Well, look, I know that Scott Tolzien is stealing my thunder here. I mean, three weeks after I make the comparison, Aaron Rodgers' backup comes out and makes the same Maybe. comparison. Well, wait, is ODB upset? Well, look. You now you've got two guys who are Michael Jordan. Late Patrick, to put Patrick in Crawley came over and made, made the same Patrick comment. Patrick Crawley works. I realize you're, about, you're talking head versus right, physical Right, and I tools. shot I him it. down swiftly and said that's it. simplistic. I was talking about, you know, 
specific traits in both cases. And with Aaron Rodgers, it was more about in terms of his, his transition head. and flow game. Is Dan an MJ type of host? Well, on his best days, yeah. I'll take that. That's good. Mark, I see you as like an MJ, but like the baseball MJ. <laughs> yeah, right, that's fair. Well, that's I like that. He was he relaxed. Me to Craig Elo early in the week. You're more like <laughs> the 45 jer- That was MJ just saying, I'm, I'm getting Craig out Elo. of it. I'm just going to experience life. And that's what makes him one of the more fascinating athletes that he went and did that. So my I'll analysis, take that as a compliment. My analysis I like what earlier you did in this game was Luke Longley. <laughs> Luke Longley. <laughs> Judd got Bush. rings, I think. Judd Bushler. We all got the Packers. Anybody takes the, I'm not even checking. If anyone took the Niners, they're fired. <laughs> I've got clearance from Roger Goodell. I'm glad I didn't pick home teams this week. The Dallas Cowboys uh, with Brandon Whedon lost their first game of the year to the Falcons last week. Now they face the Saints. And uh, a couple things here. Drew Brees, he resumed throwing. Uh, his status is unclear for week four. Again, he's speaking optimistically, but we don't know if we're going to see Drew Brees. Uh, and then a little bit of uh, trade news, gentlemen. I'm going to give it my best. The Saints acquired... Tight end Michael Uumanamanui. <laughs> Got it? Close. That was like humana, humana, humana. What is it? I think it's Uumanawanui. 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 I thought it was Uu. But it was interesting who they got in, in exchange for him. Saints that uh, gave up Akeem Hicks, a defensive end. And I believe Hicks was essentially their first pick in the Bounty Gate fallout draft. And he had a good rookie year and looked like a very promising player. And then... Oh, he's going to be awesome with the Patriots. I think it will. Probably will. (laughs) Dan, your comment right away when you saw this trade went down is enough with the Patriots. What is this, their eighth trade of the year? Have they made in the past? on trades? It's kind of fascinating, though. And it's also, it's like Connor Orr's operating out of their front office, just wheeling and dealing, (laughs) doing whatever he needs to do. Then trade for Griff Whalen and make him the face of the franchise. I'd love that. Maybe it's a little, you know, Bill Belichick, he knows this Tom Brady thing is going to end soon. We got to do whatever we can to try to win right now. And the Sizzler. Maybe. I doubt it. Sizzler, yeah, get off the schneid, New England. Uh, we, used, we used to have hero picks before Greg ruined it. And uh, you picked the Cowboys to win this game. Absolutely. Defend what used to be a hero. Brandon Whedon is going to throw four touchdowns. That was my bold prediction. I could be very wrong, but they will still win because I just look at the Saints defense. And the Saints have not – they've lost the last six at home. The Cowboys have won their last 10 on the road. Throw all that out. I think the Cowboys are just a better team. How is how is that a hero pick? I mean, I guess. I don't know. That's just fluke. Drew, Drew Brees, if he does. I'm assuming Drew Brees does not play. That, that I think, is the, the safer guess. And Luke McCown, I know he played pretty well last week, but he's saddled with the worst defense in the league. And the Cowboys offense looked. looked and I always pick against Brandon on. Whedon. Everyone's, everyone's going out of their way to say Brandon Whedon didn't look that bad this week. Didn't he throw a pick six? Uh, it wasn't a pick six, but it was a. Or it was did they return? That I think it led directly to a touchdown. He, at the very he didn't least. look as bad as Brandon Whedon it has. And their offense shut down totally in the second half because the Falcons knew that the Cowboys weren't going to do anything but throw it to the running back. No, it's all about the offensive line, who gave Brandon Whedon great protection and gave Joseph Randall, who by the way is just trashing your boy Darren McFadden. This are you oh. ready to wave the white flag on well, that guess one? What Hold though. on. Kristen Michael, first team reps That's true. this week. Well, it's week four. It's <laughs> You're about time. You're changing who you're backing now. But Darren McFadden, Darren McFadden has thrown a touchdown pass more recently than Luke McCown. <laughs> I think so is MJD. If the Cowboys offensive line is as good as we've said it is, it can dominate and win a game against a lousy, lousy Saints defense who got well, nowhere near it's the better football. The Falcons just showed the blueprint for how to shut down a Brandon Whedon offense when they did it the, sec- the third and fourth quarters last week. Well, then end the what season. What was that? 
I'm sure they were trying to win the game in the first. That was too. line up all your defenders 10 yards from the line of scrimmage and dare Whedon to throw past it. Which takes us now to the Monday night game, the Detroit Lions. Oh, poor Detroit. 0-3. Already really basically done now. Now they got to go to Seattle in prime time to face the Seattle Seahawks at CenturyLink Field. Um, this is a very, very tough spot, Mark Sessler, for a Lions team. Let's, let's face it, if they don't win, their season's all but over, and they just drew a tough spot with the game. It's not poor Detroit. It's poor football fans because this is the second week in a row that we have to watch this Lions team in prime time. And I, you know, it, but this was supposed to be a good thing. Yeah, sure. And but how high not. should we get about Ma- a Matthew Stafford led team ever again? We shouldn't have before this season, but there is a lot of talent and they're not making the most of it. It's in Seattle and Seattle, by the way, the, this game again should not be close. This is the Seahawks team. We thought they were. We don't know if we'll see Marshawn Lynch in this game. He's a. Uh, I'm not sure that matters right with the way that uh, the rookie Rowles. played. Thomas Rawls like, might be able better to step in and and do damage himself. This is not as a different Detroit defense, a different defensive line without Sue. Another move, just like uh, Demarco Murray. Uh, nobody won that. It doesn't look like anyone's winning the Sue move either. Lions or or Dolphins so far. Uh, Greg, can you make a case for the Lions shocking uh, the football? Greg can make a case for anything. World, yes. <laughs> no, but I don't mind seeing them in prime time. Compa- the Chiefs back-to-back weeks, you know, I had a problem with that. The Lions, even at 0-3, are more interesting to me than a lot of teams out there because of Calvin Johnson, because of Golden Tate, because of Amir Abdullah. I think they can give the Seahawks a game here. They at least have the firepower to get it get it together for a week. They oh. have been very consistent, though. They've looked about like the same team each week, which is concerning when that team is like a C-minus, D-plus type of team. How about Patcher, by the way? Pick the Lions, bless his heart. An injury could could save the Lions from themselves. Joyke Bell, who would have to triple his yards per carry average to reach Trent Richardson's status. (laughs) Oh, my God. He averages 1.1 yards per carry. When's the last time you saw something like that? I can't think of a year where – Bell is not a star running back on any level. He's a plotter, but – where so many lead backs have gotten out of the gate to disastrous starts. I, I And Marshawn Lynch, I wouldn't say, has had a disastrous start. but it's not he been has, good. He's not had a good one, and no. he might not be playing in this game. We still don't really – we still haven't seen the 2015 Seahawks, like, exactly what they are, mostly because last week they were playing Jimmy Clausen. In the first couple of weeks, they, w- they weren't so great, didn't have Cam Chancellor. Like, this is a chance for us to see it. And this might be it. This could be the Seahawks um, – juggernaut coming out party all right that's those are the previews uh preview of week four all right now before we go we talked about um with andrew when he was here favorite cultural export from england and uh be good to go around the horn here i'm curious um we'll start with you mark sessler your favorite cultural export well you know, I I lived there when I was a kid, so yes, a lot of the stuff that. that I remember is not really How exports. By the way, Mark Age brings up that six. he spent time in England more than Greg brought up that he gave to charity. <laughs> well, well, my point is that my fondest... I brought that up twice. <laughs> <laughs> Once to tell you it was happening, and then one more time. Yeah. I and I'm just going to say my fondest you. memories of England happened, you know, aren't things that I'm buying off shelves. But I will say this. I, the British office, mm. because I love the American office, too, and I'm done with the debate of which one's better. But the British office laid out the, you know, the groundwork and the skeleton for what the American show struggled with for a season or two. And then they got on their own pace. 
But the British one got it done in two seasons. Sam, we're going to do two six-episode seasons and a special. We can tell a story that quickly. We don't need to bleed everything dry for eight years. I can wake up one morning and go, oh, I don't feel like working today. Can I just stay in bed? Oh, I don't know. You better ask the boss. David, can I stay in bed all day? Mm, yes, you can, David. Both me. I'm not... It's not me in bed with another bloke called David. <laughs> the, one of the great debates, if you want to have a fun debate, and I agree with you on The Office, the U.S. version stayed on the air too long. It's a different world, a different business model. But uh, if you put Michael Scott, you know, seasons one through three, against uh, David Brent, the mm -hmm. two Office seasons in the U.K. and the, and the Christmas special or whatever it was, uh, that is a great battle. What is I, a better character? A, What's it's, funnier? It's very easy strong, for me. I have strong opinions on this. Let's hear it. The British office is way better than the U.S. Not Thank even, you. It's not even the way same ballpark, I don't think. Thank you. Well, they're different shows. Yeah, that's fair. They're different shows, but Steve Carell's, and Steve Carell turned his character into his own character. The, the, what made the American one great is they all became their own thing, finally. But David Brent cannot be touched in my book by anything that happened on the American office. I, well, I, I respectfully <laughs> disagree. That's fine. Because I think David Brent, that's he's amazing too. But I think um, uh, Steve Carell and Michael Scott, that was a it's great It's British character. versus American humor I, is very different too. I stopped watching the U.S. office because I didn't find Michael Scott to be a believable character. Well, he was never too believable. I mean, it, was I mean, it, it got to the point with me where like, I'm just so frustrated that nobody could possibly. It's like Ben Stiller movies. Nobody could be that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> nobody could mess up that many things well, simultaneously. That he ever became a manager is pretty funny, but you could say the same thing about David Brent. I don't know. David Brent was Brent's more of a such tragic an original, character. Though. Yeah. He's such an original. All right, Wes, your favorite cultural export from well, I sort of lied on this. England. I sort of Why lied on lie? this. Don't because lie. I couldn't make up my mind between the Stones and the Beatles. Mm. That is such a cop-out. I know. I couldn't make one. up my mind. So what, I, so what are you lying about this? I went with sarcastic butlers. What? Usually one must go to a bowling alley to meet a woman of your stature. <laughs> that is Hobson from Arthur. And there's that blueprint of all these, you know, television shows and movies that have the sarcastic, dry-humored English butler. If we had... Uh, and I wish we did, and let's make sure we get it for the future. Andrew Siciliano's uh, You, Sir, Are a Coward drop, I drop it right now. That's There's I, nothing look. harder than Beatles versus Stones, uh, but I would have loved to hear Wes, a man that has opinions, to take a side and run. Well, it depends. On Sunday mornings, give me the Beatles. You know, they're kind of easy to listen to. Okay. Put you in that mellow mood. On a Friday or Saturday night at Huckapoo's, give me the Stones, baby. Mm. I, the well, I mean, that's Beatles right easy for me, but Stones are amazing. Give me All the right. Beatles. Any day I will also pick music. And, um, you know, I will go with Oasis. And now a band that obviously was um, influenced heavily, perhaps too heavily, uh, by the Beatles and also the Rolling Stones. And to me, this is when I got into music around 94, like heavily, that's right when Definitely Maybe came out, the first Oasis album. And it was so different than everything else on the radio because everything was post-Kurt Cobain uh, everyone pretending, trying to sound like Nirvana. Everyone miserable. Uh, everything was just like down-tuned guitars. And then there was this band from Britain out of nowhere, Oasis, who actually wrote a song that we're listening to called Live Forever. Yeah. Their first song on their first album was called I'm a Rock and Roll Star. And I it, agree with you. It was this blast of fresh air that music needed at the time, and they couldn't sustain it very long. But in those first, especially those first two albums, they were everything I could ever want from a rock band. And they, to this day are one of my favorite bands of all time.
This is one of my, I always give you guys grief about Oasis, but this is one of my favorite songs ever. I think I got drunk in high school more to this song than any song. Yeah, I like, well, I like things, I like optimism. I like, I'm kidding. No, it's totally appropriate. It's I like great, the idea of having a fun time and enjoying your life, and that's what this band was about. And they, the, what made it even better, they wrote all those songs like Rock and Roll Star and Cigarettes and Alcohol. When they were poor, they came from uh, Manchester, a single family home, and they, a single parent home, and they, all these dreams they had, they made it work. I like that it's two brothers that they dreamt want it, made to destroy it each other, too. Yes, the Gallagher brothers. Originally from Ireland. All right, here we go. What? Greg Rosenthal. Oh, I'm going? Culture, yes. <laughs> it's your turn. That's how I this works, want, Greg. Cultural export. He doesn't want to go. Why don't you want to go? No, I want to go. I'm going to give uh, the English, you know, credit for uh, maintaining that language they came up with. So many great author- authors getting it done right now. From England. That's my favorite expert. Well, let's, let's hear more. Well, uh, I'd go the current guys, Edward St. Aubin, I'm a big fan of, Ian McEwen, Julian Barnes, uh, Ishiguro, big fan of. I mean, you can go back through history, too. Jane Austen, Graham Greene. George, Never heard of Jane Austen. George Eliot is one of my favorite writers. George Orwell. I mean, I'm just saying, if you're lining up, lining up the English authors, whether it's now or back in the day, it's a murderer's row. Willie the Shakes. That's that's the one that's changed my life the most. How about Shakespeare? Ever heard if of that guy? Willie the Shakes. If I were more cynical, I would think that this was Greg taking a shot at everyone else by saying, oh, you enjoy your little... Uh, your, go you know, buy like your little, little records and watch your little sitcom show. I'll like be reverse, reading my books. Reverse bullying. I actually thought about, oh, should I just pretend that uh, some TV show meant more to me or should I actually be honest and, and say something that I no, do believe good. and is important to me? No, that's good. Go. I'm, not, I'm not... I'm just joking. It's good. Come on, Greg. It's you're good into, for you to cover that butlers. realm. Yeah. You're into the butlers. <laughs> really, you know the, the only person... I'm a little disappointed that Wes not taking on I gave you what is my truth. I thought that's what this is about. I could not. You could, no, you cannot separate it by day, Wes. Pick a band right now. Come on. The Beatles were slightly better, but I, I, but I enjoy listening to the Stones more. I love the Stones and the Beatles, but if I had to pick one, it would probably be the Beatles. Before my 30th birthday, it would have been a blowout, and the Beatles would have won easily. But the older I get, the more I appreciate the Stones. All right, let's turn our attention now behind the glass. Uh, his name is Brendan McGinnis, and uh, we call him the Irishman. And uh, today is his last day. That is, is correct. Brandon's last day. It is also our friend Sully, Sean uh, Sullivan's last day. Uh, two of the great soldiers behind the glass, uh, TD's Army, I like to call it. Uh, Brandon, your final day, your thoughts right now. Uh, I'm happy that I made it up to soldier because I used to be henchman. <laughs> so I'm feeling pretty good. But, other, you know, I was just listening to you guys, and I'm thinking I'm just basically lame duck president right now. It's just you guys were just going, doing your thing. I started off as as a substitute teacher, letting you guys do your thing. <laughs> and you know what? I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let them have their fun today. I like that. I mean, listen, it, you would have been welcome to be in the conversation. Uh, but well, the Patriots chose, are on a bye. So. Oh, the Patriots yeah. are on a bye. But yeah. we, we, w- we wish you the best of luck, uh, both you and Sully, and, and you guys did such great work. Um, so I thought uh, before we leave today, uh, maybe you deserved a little song. A little serenade. All right. I will remember you. (laughs) Will you remember me? Don't let your life pass you by. Weep not for (laughs) me. They got the light. (laughs) 
They're holding up their iPhone lights. That is, uh, you could keep the music playing while we, that could be our play out music as a honor of you, uh, Brandon. Uh, that is it for, yes, yeah, so be- best of luck to Brandon. You're going to yeah. do so, great. And we'll see. Whatever you do. We're going to see you at the pub after, uh, after work today, right? Sure thing. Very good. We'll have a drink on us, on the Around the NFL team. Uh, so, yes, we'll be back on Sunday. Uh, Sunday night with our wrap-up recap of all of Sunday's games. And, uh, you know, tune in for that. It's our big flagship show. But uh, until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the quiet storm. The mailman, the boss, the Irishman behind the glass. Farewell, Irishman and Sully. We'll meet again. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.